Hello, folks. Welcome to the IoT Time podcast. I am Ken Briota, Editorial Director for IoT Evolution. And here on IoT Time, I try to talk about all the things that I think are interesting, innovative, and hopefully important in the Internet of Things. We're going to get to our episode in just a moment. But first, for the millionth time, and as always, I want to talk to you for a moment about IoT Evolution Expo, which, as you may have seen, is now in June. 2021. We have moved the show. We've taken a look at sort of the uh, landscape and what's going on out there in the world. And uh, it doesn't make any sense to stay in February. So we've moved to June and we'll still be in Miami. And we are excited to have our event live and in person with all of you out there listening and the rest of the IoT space. So check out IoTEvolutionExpo.com to take a look at speaking faculty and uh, all of the stuff we've got going on in the agenda. I, do, I have extended, in addition to extending the show, extended your uh, opportunity to submit a call for papers. So if you'd like to join the speaking faculty, you can click on the links there to do that at iotevolutionexpo.com. And I think I've got to work one more repetition of that URL in here. So uh, if you want to get yourself registered at the early, early bird rates, go to iotevolutionexpo.com to click on that uh, link and get yourself registered now. Uh, before we start back into the cycle and you miss the best rates uh, available. I think that that's about enough for now. Uh, I don't have anything else that I need to tell you about. So let's get to our guest today, Brad Sarek of uh, Hitachi Ventara. Brad, welcome to the show. Hi, Ken. Great to be here. The pleasure is mine. Uh, In case folks aren't familiar with you, Brad, or uh, with what you work on over at Hitachi Ventara, can you give us uh, some idea of what your uh, day-to-day is like? Sure. So I, uh, I'm i the president of the digital solutions business at Hitachi Ventara, and, and uh, I lead a team of 5,000-plus data experts that uh, are really at the intersection of uh, the industrial world and the digital world. And Ventara's mission is to, uh, to really... Uh, deliver capabilities that span the operations technology side of industry and the information technology side of industry. So that's the uh, that's the role I play at Ventar. Awesome. And um, when we uh, when we talked on our pre call, I know guys behind the curtain. Sometimes we actually plan for these. Um, <laughs> uh, we were talking a lot about sort of uh, societal change through IoT and a lot about. Uh, some of the impacts that that IoT has been having on the world, especially over the last, I think it's nine months now. Uh, the last nine months feels like a, about a decade. Um, and uh, uh, we talked a lot about how, um, how COVID has affected the world and how IoT has been helping to ameliorate some of the things that have been happening with COVID. And I, I'm I'm really passionate about this whole issue. It's come up in basically every podcast for the last nine months. And uh, uh, I think that the the societal impact and improvement that IoT can have when it's brought to bear on some of these issues of supply chain, manufacturing, energy management, uh, transportation, uh, especially, and, and like into the smart city world with buildings and infrastructure and all that stuff. And this is pretty much what your elbows deep in all the time. Yeah. So uh, I want to, I want to try to to pick your brain here and where are we now? What is, what is sort of happening with uh, that you're seeing with people leveraging IOT to help with contact tracing and, and some of the COVID stuff and 
more importantly than that, because I think we've all been reading those stories, how do you think that's going to continue into the future? How are those going to be leveraged uh, moving forward? Sure. I think uh, and one of the things that attracted me to Hitachi, and not just Vantar. So Vantar is part of a broader, a bigger company, um, Hitachi Limited, and that's been around for 110 years, and we're in a wide range of industries. We have 400 plus factories around the world that manufacture everything from bullet trains to wind turbines to you know power generation equipment and medical devices. And then we we also um, uh, operate in those businesses as well. We have a big rail business. We have a big energy business um, as well. And so we focus a lot on how innovation can positively change the world and uh, improve people's lives. We call it uh, social innovation at Hitachi. And it's it's a lot more than just a brand It's a, or a marketing slogan. It's a, it's a cultural trait that um, Hitachi has where we think, you know, our technology is really in the fabric of, of what is modern day civilization, be it, you know, transportation networks or electricity distribution networks or water treatment, you name it. And so we have an opportunity to, to really innovate in a way that has positive social and economic impacts as well as delivering for our shareholders. So, you know, with that kind of backdrop, this is part of our, our culture to begin with. And, and when COVID hit, it, you know, we were an operator of 400, some factories, as I said, as, as well as rail networks and things like that. So we first and foremost shifted into safety of our workforce and dealing with, you know, the, 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 the challenges of uh, at the moment of, you know, really ramping down, down production in some areas, shifting production in other areas to more essential goods and, uh, and making sure everybody was safe in our, in our factories. And we deployed a lot of the technology that we, we've been producing for uh, productivity reasons and, and everything else to, to that purpose. So we've done the, tr- the things that I, I imagine your listeners are all familiar with, like the, uh, you know, thermal imaging um, to understand temperature. But we also, we do a lot with LIDAR where we, we've had it for a long time in our factories where we can uh, uh, reduce accidents due to safety risks. Everything from, you know, avoiding, uh, you know, if there's a forklift coming down a row and someone's walking there, you know, that type of thing. But we can also sense and tell, are you wearing a hard hat and glasses? And, and if you enter an area that you're, you know, that requires that and you're not wearing those things, we can, we can overcome that. So we have 75% fewer accidents in our factories than the industry average to begin with. And it's due to in large part to this technology. Right. So in the COVID world, we just started to apply that to other use cases, such as contact tracing, where we could start to monitor, you know, the distance that people are spending or understand the choke points in the, in the assembly line and where we could, you know, re-engineer in order to maintain that, that social distance. Uh, these are some of the, uh, some of the examples of what we're, you know, what we've been doing. And a lot of those technologies are multi-purpose. They helped us in COVID, but they really drive uh, long-term impacts as we move towards more digital, digital manufacturing, digital factories. Well, yeah. And the, the, the digital factory and the dark factory kind of idea is one that I'm really interested in. I think most of the time when I talk to folks, uh, they tell me, look, I don't think we're ever really going to do the full dark factory thing. There's always going to be somebody around. 
And then I'm like, come on, guys, work with me here. I want everybody out. <laughs> and uh, uh, so I assume you're also going to tell me that, like, we're not going to do that probably, uh, at least not soon. But I see a lot of advantages to adding automation, to, especially to the manufacturing line and to, the, to mining and, and, and uh, uh, collection of raw materials and, and those parts of the supply chain. Um, and these safety elements that you've been talking about with the LIDAR and stuff are obviously critical in between stages there. What are some of the other stages that you think if, well, okay, let's go back. Let's start with, do you think that's valuable? Should we bother with, uh, with uh, more and more automation? Sure, absolutely. But I think it's different. You know, the, the lights out factory isn't the model that we, you know, are, are striving towards. Although, you know, we have facilities already in operation where we have a lights out sort of uh, warehouse that mm. is uh, picking and pulling parts in, in, auto, in an automated way. Um, but, you know, we have a different view of the social contract between, you know, our workers and our, our business in the sense that we don't really look at automation in terms of replacing workers. We look at it as a way of augmenting and enhancing mm-hmm. What they what they do. So uh, we have flexible automation um, through uh, you know many different technologies. But examples are cobots that you know where we are uh, innovating in robotics technology uh, uh, to take it out of the cage that you know typically these these robots uh, function in for safety purposes and finding ways to safely operate um, uh, these robotic assistants in a in a way that are right. On the on the line with the worker, where the worker can train train it to be an assistant of sorts, and mm-hmm. um, and what that gives us is flexibility in our manufacturing operations, and we don't just do it for ourselves; we do it for customers as well uh, through through our business. But we 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 build we use automation to drive flexibility, so you can retool the manufacturing line in a much uh, much more effective way. Uh, those are the, that's the way that we're, we're thinking about it. It's not, it's not about, you know, uh, job replacement as it is about, you know, safer jobs, also more uh, interesting and, um, you know, more productive work from the people that we have, because for frankly, sure. there's a lot of boring activities that, you know, automation can, can manage for you. We we're also getting into, um, understanding how AI in the control system can um, can actually understand, learn from the operator of a piece of equipment so that as the operator operates the equipment, you know, the, the control system is dynamic and, and can start to understand how the best operators operate the equipment efficiently and can actually help, you know, less experienced operators, um, you know, operate the line at the same level. Cause oftentimes that's, that's the difference between you can have two mechanically identical manufacturing lines, but they operate at different efficiencies and the difference is the training and the experience of the, the people running the line. So look, if I can play my driving video game and it can uh, tell me how Lewis Hamilton drives this track, then I'm pretty sure we can figure out how to get somebody to, to, yeah to run the manufacturing line according to whoever is best at it. Well, you're not far off, right? That's how Tesla, part of the way that Tesla evolved, you know, started to develop the, the, the autopilot system was to mm-hmm. allow 
the the users to make corrections or see how the how a driver drove on a certain on ramp on the highway that didn't happen to have lines or things painted on the side. Yeah. And if you have enough of that, you know, uh, data, you can start to um, train train the system to uh, to follow that kind of judgment. And it's it's the same kind of concept applied to you know the manufacturing environment or the rail environment or you name it. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, now to the important questions. You mentioned these little uh, assistant robots. How many of them have been given names by their people and like little googly eyes and, you know, that it must be rampant. And if it's not, something is wrong. You've been invaded. You know, <laughs> we, we are a data-driven company, but that is one thing I don't have data on. <laughs> I need to do the dashboard. Uh, I get, I understand all the names of our people. I haven't gotten a list of names of our robots yet. That's a good that's a good question. I'll you got to get, get you got to get on that one. That is that is key information that well, my listeners need. Curve, okay. <laughs> always- um, uh, I think you make a good point about uh, automation not being about replacement and being about sort of enhancement and and that kind of thing. I think that um, uh, humans are not best suited to repetitive work. I think we're better suited to creative work and, and that kind of thing. Um, so that's why I'm a big fan of automation. I, I, I like the idea of automating things that are done repetitively in the same exact way. Cause that's what automation is good for. And uh, I don't worry too much about uh, uh, Skynet coming to get us because I assume somebody's going to have to turn Skynet on in order for that to happen. And I'm, I don't know. I know a bunch of computer programmers. They've all seen the movies. They're going to probably avoid that. <laughs> I mean, we're so far from that being a reality. Yeah. I think the, the, you know, if I, if I make it more practical for people to understand the kinds of things that are going on today, um, you know, we work with a company, Logan Aluminum, right? One of the larger mm-hmm. aluminum um, operations in the, in the world. And so, you know, we helped them to put 2000 sensors on 59 machines. And it was mainly a safety driven, you know, uh, uh, initiative first. It was how do, how do we put sensors on the machines in order to avoid and reduce accidents? Because uh, every accident costs, you know, on average, about $41,000 each. Wow. When, when an employee has to go for a, uh, any kind of medical vi- visit, it costs that much to a uh, uh, to a company and, you know, and that's, uh, and, and also obviously the, the, the human impact of those accidents. So there's, so there's a real hard ROI on implementing IOT for safety. It can, digital can really fuel sa- safety growth. And we've realized that, as I said, we're 75% fewer. Well, we put these sensors on the machines and we uh, reduce the, uh, or improve the quality, reduce the accidents with Logan. But then we started to use the same sensors for preventative maintenance for mm-hmm. process automation, mm-hmm. um, we improved their financial forecasting and budgeting as a result of that, and uh, and essentially really modernized their digital core as a part of this process. But it was uh, the payback, you know, started with safety, return on safety improvement uh, in 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 personnel uh, and and the way they use the. The, the people. What we found is they're still using only a small fraction of that data. And mm-hmm. so uh, there's still huge value to be mined from that data that can come back and, and uh, impact in a positive way their business 
Yeah. And that's, I think, the way that this is progressing. It's not, it's not Skynet coming in and running your factory. It's about, <laughs> you know, kind of modernizing, uh, but finding hard payback on the implementation of these IoT and advanced analytics technologies so that they, they really pay for themselves as they go. And then they unlock just a huge amount of potential value in the process. Um, that's more of a, a realistic yeah. scenario that's happening. Uh, I think so. And uh, I, always, I always appreciate when a guest does my transitions for me. So thank <laughs> you for that. Because I think I've held us both in suspense long enough. I, I, so now we can talk. We've talked about a lot of business stuff. Now let's talk about the stuff that I know I'm super passionate about, and I think you are too. Um, and that is some of the social impact stuff. Uh, I want to hear about the Rainforest Connection Project and what you guys have been working on there. Yeah. And uh, 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 I don't need to go into it again because my listeners have heard about it, but I okay. believe strongly in the, in the uh, power of the IoT to transform the world for the better. And this is one of the best ways I've heard about it. So let's let's get the whole deep dive on it. <laughs> I love talking about this story. This is one that's near and dear to my my heart. And it's and being a part of a company like Hitachi, the whole social innovation piece, it gives permission to an executive and to to people to go out and actually power good in the world, which is a really it's a great cultural trait. So in my in this case with the Rainforest Connection, my wife happens to be uh, from Brazil. We've been married 20 years and uh, um, the rainforest should be near and dear to everybody's heart. But I have a, you know, a special knowledge of it because I have a family in Brazil as well, her her family, and I speak Portuguese and I really love the culture and understand some of the the social and economic, uh, you know, issues around it. So it was through that, that I came across Rainforest Connection and Rainforest Connection, if you're not familiar with them, I'd, I'd encourage everybody to go check them out. In fact, download their app on the app store uh, and you can actually listen to the rainforest live. It's all about protecting um, the rainforest from illegal uh, deforestation from logging. Mm-hmm. And the way that it, that this uh, nonprofit organization works is they, they take old cell phones, things that are, you know, still functional compute devices, but they no longer run the latest software and they uh, rig them up with a, a custom-built solar array. They put them in a weatherproof box. They, you know, uh, uh, add an external microphone to it, and then they go and they work with indigenous tribes across the rainforest, not just in Brazil, but uh, across Africa and and other continents as well. And they climb up 150 feet in a tree. They install it in the tree, and uh, and it just listens. It listens for 24 hours a day. And, it, and it, you'd be surprised how much uh, of the rainforest is actually accessible via cell phone networks. And so it connects into the networks that are already available. It streams the data back into the cloud and using tech, our technology uh, with theirs, we, we process all that, that sound data from the biology of the forest. And we strip out all of the naturally occurring sounds and we look for chainsaws and we look for, you know, human generated sounds, trucks and, Mm -hmm. you know, and we, um, we then alert uh, the rainforest connection uh, organizes is sometimes it's local uh, uh, tribes that have the jurisdiction of the area. Sometimes it's the police in the area, but they get an instant alert and then they can get, go and interdict the logging before it starts. And what, what, you know, what they found is that, you know, by getting uh, 
ahead of the game and getting in and kind of making it difficult to get started logging, you know, you avoid the violence that comes from an already established operation. You know, there's a lot of lawlessness in that rainforest and, and they'll just move on somewhere else. So these, the, each of these units, uh, it'll monitor two square kilometers of, uh, of rainforest. And if you ring a section of rainforest, you essentially protect it, protect that large section because you just need to create a perimeter that uh, can, can monitor for activity. And so the amount of CO2 that is saved from the deforestation, from what the, the forest itself will, will take out of the atmosphere, as well as the burning of the and decomposition of, of the trees, it's just massive. It's, it's one of the largest contributors to, to global warming more than tra- all the transportation, all the airplanes and cars and everything on the planet, which, which shocked me. Yeah. So we, uh, yeah, so we work with Rainforest Connection. Our Lumata software is, uh, is powering this. And, and not only is it, uh, is it looking at the, uh, the use case I just talked about, but we're also look- looking at what can we do with all this biodiverse data that we get from the rainforest and how can scientists use that to, to, uh, to study the, the ecology of the rainforest. Well, yeah, I imagine that uh, uh, the the stripping out of the natural sounds for the purpose of of searching for what do we call them tree poachers? I don't know, and uh, uh, is is super useful and and you're already getting you've you've gotten tons of results off of that, I'm sure, and and yeah. stopping these things from happening. But I bet it's also true in the reverse direction, where if you could you could strip out all of the man made sounds and just listen to the natural sounds. Scientists would would just froth at the mouth for that chance. Absolutely. I assume. Absolutely, I think every scientist is a data scientist nowadays. This generation mm-hmm. of of biologists and everybody coming up, right? All the all the the astronomy done now nowadays is all about big data um, and and analytics and uh, and the technology that we use to do to to write the machine learning algorithms. You know, we've we've learned. Is there a similar in structure and science to how we? you know, say monitor 4,000 IOT enabled trains for Train Italia, where we're ingesting 10,000 parameters a second and trying to help them look for faults, you know, as vibration analytics is listening to sounds and, and different sensors. It's very similar to what we do on a day-to-day basis or when we're monitoring roller coasters for Disney, mm-hmm. you know, uh, which we do as well. So it's, it's, a, it's a really nice way for us to use our, our technology, the talent of our people um, to go, go power good uh, on something that really, really has an impact. That's awesome. And I can't think of a better spot for us to, to start wrapping up. So Brad, can, uh, where can folks find out more about your work uh, with Hitachi and, and uh, what's going on out there in the worldwide interwebs? I, I think the best place to go uh, to get uh, to, to learn about us is just go to HitachiVantara.com. That's uh, uh, V-A-N-T-A-R-A.com. So I'm sure you'll post it. Uh, I'd also just encourage everybody to, uh, if you're interested, go out to my LinkedIn and, um, you know, connect with me. Uh, I publish, uh, I have, a, you know, articles uh, that I write about, about this rainforest uh, thing, about other things that we're doing with American Heart Association or, you know, some of the other uh, really fun projects we're doing with our, with our customers and, uh, you know, and talk about uh, similar topics. I, I love, uh, love your podcast. I love listening to you know, uh, all the different guests talk about uh, the state of, of technology and where it's going. And I try to I try to contribute to that as well in some of my blogs. So I just encourage everybody to go out and check it out if you're interested. 
Uh, I'll echo that uh, that encouragement. Uh, Brad's a great writer, and there's uh, some really good stuff in there. So you'll find all those links in the show notes. I'll also put a link in for uh, the Rainforest Connection, so you folks can go yeah. out there and take a listen yourself. Um, I think you know you can find me on Twitter at Ken Briota or at IoT Evolution. Please visit IoTEvolutionWorld.com for all the fits news to print in the IoT. Uh, make sure you check out IoTEvolutionExpo.com to take a look at our speaking faculty. Uh, get yourself registered. Even become a sponsor and exhibitor if you really want to take advantage uh, of your uh, time down in Miami in June. Uh, it'll be very air-conditioned, I promise. Um, and uh, I look forward to seeing a lot of you down there, uh, and uh, uh, it should be really great. If you enjoyed this episode or any of the other episodes that we've done here on IoT Time, uh, make sure that you rate, review, like, subscribe, do all the various things that uh, you do for podcasts that you like on the various platforms upon which you listen to us. Uh, it's super helpful for us if we can get those uh, ratings and reviews to bump us up in the charts so folks can listen. If you want to take a direct hand in uh, joining the IoT Time family, uh, send me an email. It's in the show notes. We'll talk about our various sponsorship packages. They're uh, extremely reasonably priced and they help us keep the show rolling. So uh, feel free to uh, sponsor an episode, a series of episodes, or even an entire season. We are coming to the end of season five here and season six probably uh, is available. You know, he said hypothetically. Um, Brad Sarak, thank you so much for being my guest today. It's been a real pleasure to have you. It's been my pleasure, Ken. Thanks for having me and thanks for listening, everybody. I appreciate it. Thank you, Brad. But I'm afraid, folks, that is all the IoT time we have for now. We'll catch you next time. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to wash your hands. Wear a mask. It's still important. And we love you very much. Have a great day.